0: Uh, before their purpose is fulfilled and it's a continuation of what we started yesterday where we were talking about how to ensure eight Bible keys that ensure you'll live a joy-filled life. You'll stay in supernatural joy. Thank you, Sylvia, for sowing a seed. And so, um, and Sylvia, if you don't receive your link from uh, Good World to complete that donation, you can finish it at miracleword.com. If it doesn't go through with hashtag donate, you can always go to miracleword.com and, and sow your seed there. Um, I talked to you about the fact that um, there are eight ways we're covering to live in supernatural and overwhelming joy. Joy's not a feeling, it's an anointing. And um, we were only really able to get through four of the eight yesterday because we got teaching on all of them. But Let me say this, I'll go over them quickly for those that weren't with us yesterday or just a refresher. Uh, As we're dealing with the eight ways to stay in overwhelming joy, first thing we dealt with was being led by God. When you are led by the spirit of God, he always leads you into joy, peace, love. God will never lead you into fear. He'll never lead you into depression. He'll never lead you into worry. Because those are things that displease him. God's not going to lead you to live a life that's displeasing to him. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse six that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you were living your life in fear, that means you don't trust God to take care of you. If you're living in depression, it means you don't trust God to sustain you. And so understand something, God would not lead you in a way Uh, That would end in depression, fear, anxiety, worry, suicidal thoughts. When God leads you and you follow his leading, his presence is with you and in his presence is fullness of joy. So we base that on Psalm 1611 where the psalmist wrote, you show me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. So God is revealing to every one of us the path of life. Not the paths, plural, but the path. He has a plan for every one of us. Hey, Lucas, God bless you, Joseph. Number two, we dealt with answered prayer. When God answers our prayers, supernatural joy comes. The Bible says in John 16, 24, that uh, until now you've asked the Father nothing, but now you'll ask the Father in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That your joy, so ask and receive that your joy may be full. So when God answers your prayers, see what Jesus said: Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So answered prayer is an avenue which in which we receive overwhelming joy. And we talked about the fact that you have got to uh pray prayers that align themselves with God's word. We pray scriptural prayers. That's why when I give you the prayer points that we have in our app, they all have scriptures attached to them. Why? Because we've got to pray according to the word of God, otherwise God's not required to answer those prayers. And so answered prayer is the second thing we covered. Number three, we talked about controlling your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. The fact that you have the ability to set your mind on things above that whatsoever things are pure, holy, of a good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. And as you control your soul, you control what's filling your heart and you control what's coming out of your life. That's why the uh, the, the writer of Proverbs encouraged us in the fourth proverb, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the springs of life. So when you guard your heart, Uh, and you set your mind on things above and you take control of your thoughts, you don't allow foreign things to govern the way you live or feel. You allow your mind to be focused on the word of God and the power of God. Hey, what's up, Penny? And um, number four, we talked about the power of praise. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 that he will give us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's depression the spirit of heaviness. Well, we, we answer, how does that work? We asked, we asked the question, how does that work? How does praise produce supernatural joy? Well, there's a progression to it. Number one, we begin to praise God. And then the Bible says in Psalm 22 and verse three, God inhabits the praises of his people. And then if God's inhabiting your praise, as we said from Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. So praise pulls you into his presence and then in that presence is fullness of joy. I love that Bishop David Oyedepo says that praise is the cheapest access into the presence of God. Praise is the cheapest access into the presence of God. It's so quick. The moment we begin praising him, we're transported into his presence because he inhabits our praises. So As we get into his presence, joy is already there, overwhelming joy. So get ready as you praise God for joy to fill your life. Today we're going to cover numbers five through eight, but let me say right here off at the beginning that we need to understand, and I'm going to show it to you, we need to understand that joy is an anointing. It's an anointing. It's part of the power of God. It's part of the presence of God. It's not a feeling. It is not a feeling, it's an anointing. One of the things we dealt with yesterday from the book of Proverbs was that laughter can conceal a heavy heart. Remember that. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart. And so when we realize that, we know that everybody that's laughing is not filled with joy. Not everybody who's laughing is filled with joy. Sometimes people can put on a facade. They want you to think they're happy, but they're not happy. They want you to think everything's cool, but it's not cool. They have things going on in their, in their heart and in their life. Their hearts are broken And so let me give you that that reference so that you can write it down. Uh, It's Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 13. Listen to what the Bible says. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. So understand something, not everybody who looks happy is happy. Do you realize that's why some people it, it it just blows people away when they commit suicide. Like I don't understand. He seemed so happy. He seemed fine. I didn't he didn't seem depressed. You know why it blows people away? Because people can successfully put on the facade of happiness. There's Grace Hufton, love you. A great praise and worship leader. Hey, Cora. So people can put on a successful facade of, of happiness and they're not happy. They're not in joy. They're not in joy. So I want you to understand something. I'm not even teaching you about natural joy and happiness. I'm not talking about the feelings. What we're talking about is a supernatural substance. I'm going to show it to you from the word of God as we jump into number five today. But it's not a feeling. It's a supernatural substance. Um, Hebrews... Chapter one is where I want you to go. Yeah, I was thinking of Robin Williams. He made everyone laugh. He seemed like he was always in a good mood and up, but no, there was something going on. Of course, we know if you don't serve the Lord, there really is no source of joy, true joy. And it's very sad to see things like that take place. Very sad. The same could be said from, uh, for, um, Anthony Bourdain, I heard one person talking about the fact. He said he's got the greatest job in the world. He gets to travel all over the world to the most beautiful locales, stay in the best hotels and hotel suites, eats five star food, and all he has to do is critique the food. That's his job, you know. On that, on international television, he's an international, uh, internationally known celebrity, but found himself. They found him. He hung himself in his room. Problems. You know, so it, it has nothing to do with, you know, you can be a millionaire and be devoid of joy. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an anointing. It's an anointing. I want to show you this. Hebrews chapter one is talking about Jesus himself. And uh, I'll read you verses eight and nine. The Bible says, but of the son... Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now look at verse nine. Hebrews 1, nine is very important for you to get. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. You see that? And that is actually a quotation from Psalm 45. That was a, uh, a, a, what we would call a messianic prophecy. It was about Jesus. But notice here, he he gives it to us in Hebrews 1.9. Of the son, he says, you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So notice what he said. He anointed you with it. He anointed you with it. He anointed you with the oil of gladness. So joy, true gladness in the spirit, it's an anointing. He has anointed you with the oil of gladness. I want to give you this because uh, it's very interesting that you catch this point. Any anointing that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Put it in the comments. Any anointing, that belongs to Christ belongs to me. Any anointing that belongs to Christ belongs to me. The oil of gladness, the oil of joy came upon Christ and it's upon us. If we are part of his body, we are Christ. You can't be part of his body and not be him. I am his body. I am Christ on the earth. Any anointing that belongs to Christ Belongs to me. He has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Hallelujah. Beyond your companions. And so today, and this is number five, by the way, we're talking about how to properly fuel your purpose and not burn out early to live in overwhelming joy. That is your fuel. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so that fuel is needed if we're going to accomplish our purpose without question. So see this with me. The oil of joy, the oil of gladness, it is upon us. So number five, the fifth key to living in overwhelming joy is you must let the Holy Spirit move. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments. Number five, you must let the Holy Spirit move. When people try to quench the spirit when they try to stop him from moving. You ever notice those churches dry up? They get brittle, they blow away. They cease to exist. Why? There's no life in the church. There's no move of the Holy Spirit in the church. The actual actual moving of the Holy Spirit is the motor, the engine that pushes the church at large forward. When there are churches that do not let the Holy Spirit move, they have sucked the lifeblood out of the body and they cease to be the house of God because they are disobeying the holy, inerrant word of God where Paul instructed the Thessalonians to not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. All these things Paul taught are being done in some churches. They won't let the Holy Ghost move. And as a result, the anointing's not flowing in the church. And as a result, joy has been removed from the church. Joy has been removed from the people attached to the church. See, remember this, nothing in the kingdom's automatic. Nothing, nothing. Everything in the kingdom is received by faith from salvation all the way down the line, all the way down the line. But any anointing that belongs to Christ belongs to me. Now, we know, obviously, we will never uh, complete or recomplete the redemption process. We'll never be nailed to the cross. We will never shed our blood for the remission of sins. That's not our job. It's already been done. But subsequently, any anointing that belongs to Christ belongs to you and me. Because we're one with him. Ephesians 1.3. Enoch, you'll have to go back and watch through the broadcast. Um, Ephesians 1.3, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. There are no blessings that you've not been blessed with. There's nothing you're missing. Every gifting, every endowment, every spiritual equip uh, uh, piece of equipment, you've been given. You've been given. There's no more to get. You've got it all. Now it's just we've got to manifest it by faith. And joy is one of the things that comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost begins to move, notice he is not only the spirit of truth, but now as we see in Hebrews 1, he's the oil of joy. He's the oil of gladness. Hallelujah. He's the oil of joy. He's the oil of gladness. Catch something with me. In Galatians chapter 5, the the fruit that we read about what's it the fruit of it is the fruit of the spirit it's the fruit of the spirit go there galatians 5 i was reading something the other day which i couldn't i couldn't bring myself to agree with Uh, in Galatians chapter five, I was reading that somebody had an issue with the fact that certain Bibles capitalize the word spirit in Galatians five as referring to the Holy Spirit because they said that's not what Paul's trying to emphasize here. He's not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit He's talking about the fruit of a regenerated spirit of of, of a Christian person, which I don't agree with. He's not talking about the fruit of just a regenerated person, for every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Salvation can't even happen without the, the Holy Spirit. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so, if you actually read what Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, But I say, walk in the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for the the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh for these are opposed to each other. Whoever was writing that doesn't understand the unity that you have with the Holy Spirit that you become unified with him. And one of the things that I want you to see is that if you are led by the spirit, notice he says that in verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, talking about the Holy Ghost, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. He's talking here about the Holy Spirit who dwells in you as a believer. The fruit produced by the Spirit. Nothing can be can be produced without the help of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. That's why Jesus was saying, we're in Galatians 5, and you can read 16 all the way down to the end of the chapter, Jeremy. Understands or Chelsea, whichever it is, understand something. There's nothing that we can do without the help of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Notice that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Read John 15, like we did yesterday. Anybody that's disconnected from Christ can't do anything, nor can they produce fruit. So if I'm in Christ and I am, uh, United with Christ and united with the Holy Ghost, I'm producing fruit because I'm united with the Holy Ghost and he lives in me. It's not capitalized because names are capitalized. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, that is true. But what you're saying, because it's referring to the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, that's true, Carissa. But the person I was reading was saying that Paul wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit. It should have been lowercase s because he was talking about the spirit of a man. Like my spirit or your spirit, he was taught. This person was arguing arguing that Paul was teaching about what the the saved or Christian spirit of a person produces—love, joy, peace, patience—but that's not what Paul was talking about. He wasn't talking just about the spirit of a person. He was talking about the Holy Spirit of God, which is why I'm saying it should have been capitalized. He was talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. Not being led by your human spirit that's regenerated, but by the Holy Spirit. And so when you are led by the Holy Spirit, this is the kind of fruit you produce. You produce love, joy. Well, one of the things I want to show you here is all these fruit of the Spirit, all nine of them, they are the the production of the Holy Spirit, which shows you they are not natural things. They come out of the Holy Ghost. And if they come out of the Holy Ghost, they are part of his anointing. If the origin is the anointing, then the fruit is the anointing. Love that we're taught when we talk about walking in love, we're not talking about natural love. That's why there's different words for love in the Greek language. That's why they're depending on the use. There's eros, where we get like erotic love. There's eros. There's phileo, where we get like brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It comes from that Greek word phileo. That's the love you'd have for a brother. Eros, erotic love, is the kind of love you'd have for your husband or wife. But then there's agape love. That's the God kind of love. But the kind of love we're talking about is not natural love. It's supernatural love. How can you be... Crucified and tortured like Jesus was, and still be able to look down from the cross and say, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. How can you speak with that kind of forgiveness and that kind of love if it was natural and based on natural things? If you were being tortured wrongly for things you didn't ever do, if you were being murdered and tortured and killed, and you're up there on the cross. You'd be screaming out insults and you'd be angry that they did this to you, but not Jesus because he wasn't operating in normal love. He was operating in supernatural love, which is an anointing. It's an anointing. How do I know? The Bible says in first John chapter four, God is love. Well, if God is love and God is a spirit and God is the anointing, then love is an anointing. Amen. Amen. Joy, as I've shown you in Hebrews 1, joy is an anointing. Peace is an anointing. The spirit of peace, it's an anointing. These things are supernatural. They are an anointing. So the joy that I'm teaching you about, that it's a fuel for your purpose, it is an anointing of joy. That's why the Bible calls it the oil of gladness. Hey, Patrick, God bless you. Thank you. It is the oil of gladness. Somebody put it in the comments if you're watching. Joy is an anointing. It just needs to be understood. Joy is an anointing. Hallelujah. Joy is an anointing. Without question it is. Without question it is. And that needs to be understood by every Christian. Every Christian needs to hear it. And when we don't let the Holy Ghost move, we cut ourselves off from the oil of joy. Why do you think Paul was so adamant when he was writing these letters to the Thessalonian church? Why do you think he was so adamant giving them such strict instructions? Let me go back here to the end. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You see that? Why do you think he's giving them such strict instructions? Because it's important we let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. See, it's not my church, it's not your church, it's not our church, it's his church. Christ is the head of the church, and if he wants to move, he he should be free to move any way he wants to move. When I see churches that are quenching the Holy Spirit, that don't want things to happen because they don't want visitors to be freaked out, or they don't want people to be made to be uncomfortable, it grieves me. To see people shutting down speaking in tongues and shutting down the move of the Holy Ghost. They won't lay hands on people. They won't let people dance. They won't let people shout. They won't let people praise God. Everything has to be just every staunch and orderly and don't move and don't be loud. It's like if the Holy Ghost wants to move, let him move. And I'm not talking about interruptions in the service, I'm not talking about when it's clearly a distraction when you know, the pastor's preaching and somebody's screaming over on the side and distracting everyone from the word that's being preached. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that they won't even do what Paul and James and others in the New Testament commanded the church to do. They won't lay hands on the sick. They won't cast out devils. They won't see people baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's an anointing that we need, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And joy is an anointing. It's an anointing. So number five is very clear. We have to let the Holy Spirit move in his own church. Morning, Tammy, Chrissy. We've got to let the Holy Ghost move in his own church. That's number five, without question, without question. And then let me give you number six. Number six is we have to believe God for miracles. We let the Holy Spirit move, but we've got to press in, For miracles, let me take a step back because now Carol's asking on Facebook. She said, could you explain what anointing means? Absolutely. It is the rubbed on, smeared on power of God. When somebody is anointed by God, in which every believer is, it means that you carry his power, his glory on your person if you're anointed. The anointing of God, yes, I will be, Amber, The anointing of God is the movement and the power of God at work in the earth. So when I, when I say that I'm saying synonymously, let the spirit of God move and manifest himself the way that he wants to manifest himself. If we come into a service and we can feel the Holy spirit leading us in a certain direction, we should follow his leading and do what he wants to do. We shouldn't be so caught up in our schedule. Everything's in the box. Everything is on the schedule, the agenda. At 7 o'clock, we begin the service. At 7.20, sharp, praise and worship ends. At 7.21, video announcements. At 7.30, there's special song by Sister So-and-So. At 7.35, then we get up and take the offering until 7:45 in which that moment we welcome the visitors until 7:50 then the pastor gives his message that's i mean there's churches just like that just like that and there's nothing wrong with having a plan and being prepared but when you're so uh locked into your plan that God can't ever break the plan or can't even alter the plan there's a problem because You have now let your schedule, your agenda, and your plan become more important than what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and it's now an idol. It's now a God. It's a God, little g. And he said, I'll have no other gods before me. Anything that tells God he can't do what he wants to do becomes a God. And he said, I'll have no gods before me. I'll have no gods before me. And I understand there were people worshiping actual false gods, but anything that rules your life becomes a God. Do you realize that? Anything that rules your life becomes a God. Little g. For some people, sports is their God. For some people, fishing, hunting is their God. For some people, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Drugs have become their God. Alcohol, everything in their life is governed by alcohol. i got to have alcohol. I can't do this without alcohol. I need a drink. Somebody get me a drink. i got to have a drink. Anything that rules your life becomes a God to you. That's why I'll not be ruled by anything. You know, it was interesting. I remember hearing uh, Brother Hagen tell this story. He said there was a time in his life when he was younger when uh, he was going to work in construction. And he said every day back then, you know, when you would come back, back back in the fifties and whatever, pharmacies uh, were also, uh, you know, it's like you could go in. They had like soda fountains in there. You could buy, you know, get a, you could get a burger or whatever, and you know they had those. If you remember, you know, if, if you even if you've ever seen a, a movie about the nineteen fifties or anything, you remember seeing them, they they were like those, you know, the, the guys that had the paper hats on and they they were on the soda fountain. You could get a milkshake. You know, it's like they called them pharmacies. He would pass one every day coming back from construction. I remember hearing him say that he would go in, the first day he went in, sat down, and he got a cold Coca-Cola in a bottle. And he said, he remember how good that Coca-Cola was, man. He, he drank that Coca-Cola. It was ice cold. It was delicious. And then he went home. The next day, he came, walked by that shop, and he said, he walked in again and got another Coca-Cola in the bottle, drank it, so good, went home. And then he started recognizing something. Brother Hagin said this. He said, every time I would walk past on the way home from work, the pharmacy, I would go in and get a Coca-Cola, drink it. He said, then it got to the place where even if I wasn't going from work to home, any time I would pass that pharmacy, I would have to go in and get a Coke. And he said he began to realize that he couldn't help himself. Any time he went past that building, he had to go in. His flesh wanted that Coke and he said it, it convicted him and he started to recognize that Coke, like not cocaine, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola was ruling his life. He got convicted because he couldn't even pass by the building without going inside and getting a Coke and he said it so irritated him that Coke had controlled him that much That from the day that he felt the conviction, and he was young, he was very young at the time, he said, I made up in my mind, Coke or no other thing will ever control my life ever. And he even, and I remember hearing him tell this story when he was in his 80s, when I was in Bible school there. He said, from that day until this day, so he was probably a late teenager then, till he was probably 82 when I was there, 84 He said, from that day till this day, I have never had another Coke in my life. Why? Because it so irritated him that something had had become a God to him. It was ruling him. It was controlling him. We can't let anything, anything control our lives or become a God to our lives. And God was saying here through the Apostle Paul, don't quench the spirit. Don't get so locked down in a schedule, in an agenda, in a program that you can't flow with the Holy Ghost. You know, if you're worshiping and it goes from 7 to 720, like I said, on the agenda and the power of God's moving on the worship, don't shut it down at 720 because that's what the agenda says. If people are being touched that the Holy Ghost is on the music, keep on worshiping. Keep on praising. Let God move. I don't care if you worship from 7 to 8.05. Keep on worshiping until the Holy Ghost does something else. I remember one time. Oh, I know. I know. Billion said on, on YouTube, my mom gets migraine headaches if she doesn't drink a Coke. Tell me that's not an issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now the body's crying out for it. I remember we were in Dayton, Ohio, doing a meeting one time, and I was playing the keyboard. My father was preaching and ministering, and the power of God began to move. People were getting healed, and we started singing that song, uh, "You Are Alpha and Omega." We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. Um, and the power of God hit, and I remember, you know, many people, you know, they try to switch away. I've learned. If God's on something, don't switch away from it. Don't try to do something else. I've learned it and I've learned it the hard way. When I was less mature, less uh, I, I understood less about how the anointing moved. I would try to just keep switching songs to keep it fresh. And I learned even through rebuke, don't move away. If God's on something, stay on it. And we sat there. My sister was there. I was there. The band was there. And we sat in Dayton, Ohio, and we just played. And people are getting healed all over the place. People are getting delivered. Power of God's touching people. And we're playing, you are alpha. And I mean, the power of God's in the place. We must have done that song for like two hours. Two hours. You know, that's not a very, I mean, there's only a few words in that whole song. It just goes over and over and over on repeat. And we just kept singing it. We just kept playing it. And the anointing kept moving. People kept getting healed. The gifts of the spirit were in operation. Why? If God's on something, if he's doing a particular thing, don't get off of it. Stay on it and let God move. Stay on it. You know, it's like, why would you tell God, okay, we're done with that now. Thank you. Let's move on to the next thing, Lord. No, he's the head of the church. And see, without without the moving of the Holy Spirit, we're missing out. Without the moving of the Holy Spirit, we're missing our joy. It's an anointing. Joy is an anointing. Number two, we've got to press in for miracles. Got to press in for miracles. You understand? Because miracles, in and of themselves, they bring joy. They bring joy. Let me show this to you. They bring joy as well. Go with me to Psalm 126, one of my favorite passages. Look at this, Psalm 126. Believe God for miracles in your own life. Do you know when miracles take place, it brings supernatural joy? Absolutely. Hey, Dave. Number six is this. When miracles happen, they bring supernatural joy. So press in for miracles. I'm blown away by how many churches will not press in for miracle signs and wonders anymore. It used to be so commonplace among our Pentecostal churches. They'd pray for the sick. They would believe God for deliverance. Now they gloss over it. Now they won't even do it. Many of them don't even have altar calls anymore. Many of them don't even call people to be saved properly anymore. Blows my mind. Psalm 126. Listen to this. Verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Hallelujah. Then was our mouth filled with what? Laughter. And our tongue with shouts of joy. Thank you, Jesus. And it was said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. Look at verse three. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad (laughs) I'm gonna keep going verse 4 restore our fortunes O Lord like the streams in the Negev those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy he who goes out bearing the seed for sowing and weeping shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaves with him When God begins to move with signs and wonders and miracles, it brings overwhelming joy. (laughs) Hallelujah. It brings overwhelming joy. Can I tell you when I even just give you testimonies of my own past, what God's done for me and my family every time. And you know, what's awesome is that your testimonies don't have an expiration date. That's something good to remember and type in the comments. My testimonies don't have an expiration date. So one of the things that I encourage people to do, if you're believing God for the next miracle, keep praising him for your previous testimonies, your last miracles. They don't have expiration dates. They don't have expiration dates. You keep praising. Anytime I begin to tell my testimonies and share what God's done in my family and my children in my life that exact same joy that I felt the day that it happened still comes upon me today when I give those testimonies when I tell that testimony about God healing my daughter's heart listen to me that was eight years ago eight years That testimony is not sour. It hasn't spoiled. It's not time to throw it out. There's no expiration date. When I tell that testimony of God healing Madeline of congestive heart failure and the blood disease they said she had, it brings to me just as much joy. I'll still share it when I'm leading praise and worship and take off dancing. I still feel the anointing on that. Your testimony doesn't have an expiration date. So if you're believing for another miracle, take a minute Exactly. Carissa says, I get that joy every time I look at Aria, which is a lot of times she's looking at her daughter. It's a miracle child. You better believe it. I'm sure Jenna, who works for our ministry and works with us, she put her testimony uh, in this last uh, magazine. If you got it in the mail, this last Miracle Word magazine, you read Jenna's story. Doctors told her she could not carry children, could not have babies, and then God touched her. And now she's got two daughters running around the house, miracle children, miracle children. I'm sure every time she looks at her children, joy comes on her. Why? Because your testimonies don't have an expiration date. You can praise God. It could be a hundred years from now and you could praise him and that same joy of that miracle would come upon you. Miracles bring joy. They bring joy. Without question, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing and it was said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them and the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Woo, glory to God, we are glad. So number six is this, we've got to press in for miracles, press in for miracles Press in for miracles. Don't stop believing God will touch you. Don't stop believing he'll heal you. Don't stop believing he'll deliver you. He will, and he can. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at that. Jesus said went on and said, Jesus set me free from depression after I was on pills for over 15 years. You talk about waiting and thinking things won't ever turn around and then God stepped in and delivered Winona from depression and 15 years, now all that's gone and she's free. Hallelujah. There's no expiration date on that testimony, on what God's doing. Hallelujah. Enoch said, my testimonies don't have an expiry date. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So number one, the anointing, or I should say number five, the anointing has to move. And number six, press in for miracles. They produce joy. Without question, they do. Let me give you another one. This will kind of tie into what we just said, as well as add one more thing. Acts chapter eight. This is number seven. Number seven. Look at this now. Acts chapter eight. To give you the context, there was persecution throughout Jerusalem for being a Christian and for preaching the gospel, and for living for the Lord. And so many people fled from Jerusalem and went around the world. We call them the diaspora, those that were dispersed, the Jews that were dispersed around the world. Philip was one of those, and he went to Samaria. I like that, Carissa. She said, not even, not only not a, there's no expiration date, there's not even a best-by date. And so Philip went to Samaria, and he said, while I'm here, I might as well preach Christ unto them. Let me start with Acts chapter 8 and verse number 4. Acts 8, 4. Listen to me. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. Nancy on YouTube, it's her very first time on the broadcast. Everybody on YouTube. Welcome Nancy uh, to the broadcast for the very first time. Glad to have you here. The Bible says, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs and wonders that he did, and here explains it. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Look at verse eight, very important. And there was much joy, in that city what happened when they not only when they saw the miracles but they were converted and became christians and so what was there there was great joy in the city what brought the great joy to samaria signs and wonders but look at the second thing souls being saved Let me keep going because you need to see this. Um, Verse 14, actually, you know what? Let me just keep reading. Verse nine, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That means they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They got saved. Even Simon himself believed after being baptized and continued with Philip. After seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now look at verse 14. And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So understand all these people in the city were getting saved. That's why Peter and John came from Jerusalem, laid hands on them, and they all were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't get filled with the Holy Ghost until you're saved. So notice what took place here. The thing that brought great joy to the city is that they saw signs and wonders and they were being converted. So let me give you number seven. The seventh thing that will bring joy into your spirit is being an effective soul winner. Hallelujah. Being an effective soul winner. Nothing pumps you up as a Christian like winning people to Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. If you've ever led somebody to the Lord in salvation, throw a hand up in the comments. If you've ever led somebody to Jesus, you've asked them and you, and you witnessed to them, had them pray the prayer of salvation, led them to Jesus. And you'll know if that's the case that you felt that great joy of bringing somebody into the kingdom. It's part of your purpose as a believer. We're the ones that are to Go out into the highways and byways. Compel them to come in. Make disciples of all nations. And when you do the work of an evangelist, winning the lost, it brings great joy upon you. Do you know why I truly believe that so many people battle in their mind? They're not doing what they've been called to do. I mean, they're just, they're not doing what they're called to do. Imagine if... (laughs) I mean, think about this. Imagine if you were a great singer and had the ability and had the gifting and had the, but were never allowed to sing. Imagine what that would feel like if you could sing as beautifully as anybody. You had a gift, you had a talent, but you were commanded. You, had, you were never allowed to sing. You would be completely frustrated. Why? Because you would be, your gift and your talent, your ability would be completely shut down and your fulfillment is in activating your gift and your talent, your ability. In the same way, the devil has tricked people into not doing what Jesus has anointed them to do and as a result, the many people in the body of Christ are battling anxiety and panic and depression and suicidal thoughts. Everything's inwardly focused instead of being outwardly focused. And let me tell you, when you start winning souls and you start seeing people come in, let me tell you something, joy will hit you. I can remember one of these, these moments where such extreme joy hit me. I, I was coming back from Bible school, still a teenager, I think I was 18 or 19, and we were really blessed because in our public school, if, now I want you to think about the the how amazing this is. In the public school that I attended, the high school in West Virginia, uh, we had clubs like many other schools do, but we had a Bible club. And our Bible club was huge, very well attended. It was so large that it had to be held in the auditorium uh, of our high school because so many, I mean, hundreds of kids came to it. And um, I know that many of them came just to get out of class, I get that. Because you—you you know they were held during class time. And uh, it was massive. Well, I became the president of the Bible club And we could have people in to preach and everything. Well, then I went away to Bible school. But when I came back, they asked me to come back to my high school and preach to the Bible club. I took that as a very serious assignment because I understood not everybody in that Bible club was serving Jesus. So I prepared myself. To this day, I remember what I preached. I preached from Revelation chapter three and verse 16 on don't make God vomit. I talked about not, you know, the reason that it's because summer, they're not hot, nor are they cold. They're lukewarm. And God said, I'll spew you or vomit you out of my mouth because you are. And um, I sat there and I preached, I preached my heart out to those young people, preached my heart out to them. And at the end, I looked down into the auditorium, hundreds of those young people, many of them I knew because I'd only been out of high school a couple of years and they were all in school when I was. And now I'm calling my peers to Jesus. And so I gave the altar call. In a public school, you imagine this. I gave the altar call for salvation. If you're not serving the Lord, if Jesus were to come today and you don't know you'd be ready to see him, you're on your way to hell. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. And let me tell you something. Nobody moved. Not a soul. You could have heard a pin drop in that auditorium. Nobody moved. Now I'm standing up there like all nervous. I'm like, oh man, I'm sweating. I just preached my heart out. I just gave an altar call to an auditorium full of my peers and nobody's coming. I felt like, man, you look like an idiot. Shut it down quickly. Pray a prayer of dismissal and get out of here before anybody can tell what a failure you are. And I'm standing there and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, don't close it down yet. Leave it open. I'm working on people's hearts. And so I didn't stop. I didn't close the service. I stayed open. I said, no, there's people here. The Lord's speaking to you. Today's the day of salvation. I'm giving the altar call. It's time to come to Jesus. He'll change your life. And I'm, I'm encouraging them. Nobody's moving. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this girl gets out of her seat. I look down. Here's this girl coming. She was like dressed like that, like a gothic style dress, all black, dyed black hair, black fingernails, black lipstick, black eyeshadow, everything was black. And here she comes down slowly walking down from her seat to the altar to be saved. She came down out of her seat all by herself. Imagine that in front of all of her peers, hundreds of kids. She came out of her seat. She came down and lifted her hands to receive Jesus. And as she came, it was like something broke in the auditorium. And as she came down to the front and lifted her hands, kids started standing up everywhere in the auditorium, getting out of their seats and walking to the front to be saved and to receive Jesus as their savior. And by the time everybody was done walking, there were over a 100 high school students standing at a public High school auditorium, which we made into an altar to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, at the beginning, when I thought nobody was going to move and my own fear and my own flesh would say, shut it down and get out of here. You failed. The Holy Spirit said, no, no. And let me tell you, the power of God hit that room and over a hundred young people got out and followed that Gothic looking girl to the altar lifted their hands, and I remember leading that group of students in the prayer of salvation and hearing them, over a hundred of them, praying that prayer. I confess I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I confess with my mouth that he's Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. And as they came down, I can still to this day remember the joy that flooded over my soul as souls came to Jesus. As I engaged in my purpose as a soul winner and people came into the kingdom, young people, I remember, I thought I was gonna leave there, maybe it was my own lack of faith. I thought I was gonna leave that high school auditorium that day broken and dejected, that nobody responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, where if I could have just trusted the Holy Spirit and believed that he would do what he said he would do. The gospel softened softened the hearts of men and women. And the Holy Spirit drew them to Jesus Christ. And their hands were raised. And as they echoed in chorus through the auditorium. The prayer of salvation. Joy hit me man. It hit me. I can still feel it to this day. It's one of my testimonies. It hit me to this day. The joy of the Lord that I felt as people were coming to Jesus. The same is true for you. One of the ways that we allow joy to flood into our lives is by winning souls to Christ. That we are anointed to be soul winners, anointed to be supernatural harvesters and bring men and women into the kingdom of God by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit who leads men to Jesus. At the end of this broadcast, when I pray for you, one of the things I'm going to pray is that God would ignite you and equip you once again with a compassion for the lost and an urgency for eternity to win souls like you never have before. Let me give you the final one before we pray, though. Number eight, number eight, Acts chapter 20. Actually, let's go to Matthew 19, and then we'll look at Acts 20. Matthew 19. This is blessing me. I hope it's blessing you. I'm going to give you this final thing that I see that the Lord showed me in his word, how to usher overwhelming joy into your life from the Holy Ghost. Actions of faith. Actions of faith. Hallelujah. Let me encourage you. If you've never even seen the book we released entitled Praise, Laugh, Repeat, God gave me this as I was fasting and praying about, what's it been, four or five years ago now? And we released Praise, Laugh, Repeat, first book I ever wrote about how to be free from depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. And I encourage you to get the book. Listen, if you'll sign up today at miracleword.com forward slash live, I'll send you the devotional that goes along with it absolutely free if you don't have it. The praise, laugh, repeat, devotional. You go to miracleword.com forward slash live L-I-V-E. You can sign up on that form, and I'll get you this. We'll email you this ebook absolutely free. But there's a book that goes along with it that you can get at shop.miracleword.com. It'll bless you. Matthew 19. Look at this. Verse 16. The Bible says, and behold. A man came up to Jesus saying, "Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who is good. And if you'd enter if you if you would enter life, keep the commandments." And he said to him, well, which ones? And Jesus said, you'll not murder, you'll not commit adultery, you'll not steal, you'll not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I've kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And look, now this is such an important verse, verse 22. And when the young man heard it, he went away sorrowful, for he had great or many possessions. Now, let me give you Acts 20, 35 on top of this, and then we'll talk about it. Acts 20, 35, they recount the words of Jesus. Listen. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Amplified says it makes one happier and more to be envied when they give rather than when they receive. Notice what's going on here. In Matthew 19 Jesus recognized something about this young man. Let me ask you a question. How many other people, how many other people um, that got saved or believed on Jesus' name, did Jesus tell to sell everything they have? None. There were no other people. So we know that this is not a, a common prerequisite to salvation. You don't have to sell everything you have to be saved. However, Jesus apparently knew that this man had an issue that money and possessions ruled his life. So what did he tell him? He said, sell all you have and give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says that the man couldn't handle that instruction and he went away sorrowful, went away sad. The Lord spoke something to me about this one time. I'll never forget it. He said, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, about sowing an offering and you reject the instruction that the spirit gives you, he said, you don't just disqualify yourself from receiving a harvest. You also open the door and dismiss joy from your life. That's heavy. Catch that because that's what happened to the young man. He went away. How happy? No, he went away sorrowful went away sorrowful. Jesus gave him an instruction about finances, gave him an instruction about what to sow, but the man couldn't do it. And he not only missed out on his harvest, he dismissed joy from his life and left sad. He came hopeful, he left sad. Notice what Acts twenty thirty five says. It says, it makes one happier and more to be envied when they give rather than when they receive. You know what's interesting? Anybody in the world can receive, but not everybody can give. Giving, as Jesus is teaching here, giving is actually the higher level than receiving. I want you to put that in the comments. Put that in the comments. Giving is a higher level than receiving. Hallelujah. Giving is a higher level than receiving. Anybody can receive, not everybody can give. And so the Bible says God gives seed to the sower, 2 Corinthians 9. So one of the ways, and I know this is hard for people to catch. There's there's some people that this is like the time of the broadcast where they log off because they live in a very immature place in Christianity. That's why I'm happy to see those of you that are staying on because it's a very mature thing to understand that giving's a higher level than receiving, and there is a joy that comes from sowing and reaping. There's a joy that comes from sowing and reaping. Oh man, I'm gonna show you something that's gonna stir you up, man. This is going to, I'm gonna share a secret with you that I don't often share, that I discovered in reading the word of God that blew my mind. This actually blew my mind when I first saw it. And I've been reading the Bible for decades and I never saw this, though I'd read this scripture hundreds of times, hundreds of times. But I'm gonna show it to you today if you'll stick around to hear it. 2 Corinthians chapter nine, listen to this. And we all know the scripture probably like the back of our hand, very familiar with it. Um, I was reading at one point in the New Living Translation, the New Living, and I've read this verse in every translation multiple times, but the New Living Translation does something a bit different, and uh, it's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Listen to this. Paul's teaching them. He said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver or this translation for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. But I noticed something when I read it in the new living that I'd never seen before. What did I notice when it gets to that place where Paul says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's in quotation marks. That's not in any other translation. Those quotation marks are not in any other translation. And it it obviously made me realize Paul was quoting scripture but where was he quoting from and this is what unlocked it for me i actually searched through the old testament couldn't find it i could have just looked at the asterisk next to it and realized there was a footnote when i looked at the footnote you know what i found this is what the uh, footnote says it says see the footnote in proverbs 22 8 so I popped back to Proverbs 22, eight in the New Living Translation. Look what it says. Those who plant injustice will harvest disaster and their reign of terror will come to an end, asterisk. When you click on it, it says this. The Greek version of the Old Testament which was called the Septuagint, includes an additional proverb. Now, it's important to know that's what Paul would have been using Historians all tell us this. Paul was carrying around a Greek version of the Old Testament when he was writing his letters to the churches. We know that because of the way he quotes Scripture from Old Testament passages. We can line that up with the Greek version of the Old Testament and know that's what he was quoting. So Paul had a Greek version of the Old Testament and here it says the Greek version includes an additional proverb. God blesses a man who gives cheerfully but his worthless deeds will come to an end. When God showed me this, it blew my mind because listen to this. If we know that God's uh, system of sowing and reaping never ends, what does the Bible say? Genesis eight twenty-two: as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So that's a system that never ends, never ends. Seed time and harvest never ends as long as the earth remains. But notice this, the the proverb says, God blesses a man who gives cheerfully, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. What was Paul truly warning them about in Corinth? He said, don't give in response to pressure or manipulation, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what he was teaching them was, if you're manipulated to give, if you're pressured to give it steals the joy of your giving. And once the joy of your giving is stolen, it turns your seed into a worthless deed. Proverbs 22, eight. His worthless deeds will come to an end. It turns your seed into a worthless deed or a donation. There's no harvest on a donation. There's only harvest on a seed. But the devil knows that. So what he tries to do is to steal the joy of your giving so that there's no harvest. Oh man, can you catch this today? See, I don't always share this because people aren't, people aren't ready to hear this. But notice what Paul was warning them about. Paul said, don't give in response to pressure. Don't give in response to manipulation because it steals the joy of your giving. And God blesses a cheerful giver. But his worthless deeds will come to an end. The moment you give out of response to pressure or manipulation, you are having the joy of giving stolen from you and your harvest is being stolen as well. Man, I wish you'd catch this. That's why if I've ever been in a service, let me just tell you very plainly, if I've ever been, I always laugh because look at the numbers start to drop when you talk about giving. It just makes me laugh. It shows you that there's a bunch of people in the body that aren't mature enough to hear it. I just crack up. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I just laugh. But there's a bunch of people that don't understand this. That's why they go from struggle to struggle. If I'm ever in a place, yeah, that's what I was going to say, Carissa. If I don't give, as soon as I feel somebody trying to manipulate me into giving or as soon as I feel somebody trying to pressure me into giving, I don't give. Because I'll I'll obey Paul. I will not give in response to manipulation or pressure. If I get somebody starts manipulating my giving with spiritual promises, well, anybody that gives such and such an amount is going to receive a special anointing. No, you won't. You can't give anything to receive a special anointing. There's no such thing as a special anointing. There's just the anointing and you already have it. Please hear me today. If you ever hear somebody get up and say, if you sow such and such a seed, if you sow such and such an offering, there's a special anointing coming upon every," No, there's not. There's one anointing. It's called the Holy Ghost and he's already in you. If you're a believer, he's already in you. You don't have to sow for a special anointing. You sow to receive a harvest. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. I don't sow seeds to reap an anointing. I sow seeds to reap a harvest. And my, my harvest will match my seeds. If I sow shoes, shoes are coming back. If I sow money, money's coming back. If I sow kindness, kindness is coming back. If I sow love, love is coming back. I don't sow money to try to receive a special anointing. It doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. So when people get up and try to uh, manipulate you into giving... For everybody that sows this certain amount, then from this day forward, you'll have this begin to happen. No, it doesn't work that way. Does not work that way. Or if people try to pressure you, we need you to give right now. If you don't give, we're going under. Everything's pressure. That's why I'd never pressure people to give into this ministry. I give you an opportunity to hear the Holy Ghost speak to you. And when he speaks to you, it's between you and him. It doesn't it's, it has nothing to do with me. That's why every day, every single time we do a broadcast, I give you an opportunity to sew. Whether you do or not is up to you. I don't berate you if you don't. I don't know if you don't. I know if you do. But I don't berate you. I don't say, I can't believe you people aren't sewing. There's something important here and you don't I don't do that. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. There's no manipulation. You'll never hear me get on a broadcast or in a live service or anywhere that I go. Say if you'll sow such and such a seed, then such a thing's going to happen. You won't hear me do it because I don't put the I don't put the pressure on you. The pressure is on the Word of God to perform like it says it will. You don't give because if you don't, I'm going under. I'm not going under. This ministry's not going under. This ministry's debt free and will remain debt free for the rest of time. This ministry has no debts and you'll not hear me get on and say, if you don't sow today, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you don't sow a seed, if we can't get 50 people that'll give $100, then we're going to have a blah, 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 You'll not hear it at this broadcast. You'll not hear it in my meetings because we're not going under. We're not going under. We're blessed. I give you an opportunity to give because when you give, it brings blessing to you. Giving is for our benefit. It's for our benefit. And so anytime I hear pressure, manipulation, if you don't give, this is going to happen. If you give, then some supernatural thing is going to open up. No, you will get what the Bible says. And the Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. There is a harvest that comes back from giving and you should expect a harvest. And in fact, In 2020, we're expecting violent increase and expedited favor. Expecting it. Hope you can't do hashtag donate on YouTube. The best thing to do if you're going to sow a seed is go to miracleword.com. I'll pop it up for you in case you want to see the information. And we give you this opportunity. Why? And I'm going to give you an opportunity today. But it has nothing to do with some special anointing that's going to come on you or some thing with an expiration date. Like I heard one guy say on TV, if you give such and such an uh, an amount, then a six-month healing anointing is coming upon your life. I mean, that's garbage. That's pure garbage. That's heretical. That's manipulation. And it's false teaching. It's false teaching. But let me tell you something, when you sow, it brings joy into your life. Whatsoever you sow, that will you also reap. Galatians chapter six, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So I want you to hear this today because we're going to pray the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will speak to you. But understand, I don't pressure you. I can't manipulate you. It's between you and the Lord. When the Lord speaks to you to partner with this ministry on a monthly basis, when he speaks to you to sow a seed or sow largely into this ministry, I don't know what he's telling you. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. And you're the one that has to respond to him and do what he asks you to do. And whether you do or not, it's between you and the Lord. See, I can only encourage you. I can only challenge you to do what the Lord's telling you to do, but then you have to respond. But one thing I can promise you, one thing I can promise you is that when you sow, it does bring joy into your life, as you can see by the scriptures I just read to you. Acts 20, 35, Matthew 19, and 2 Corinthians 9, verses Proverbs 22. You can see it clearly. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Amber, for sowing seeds. And I'm telling you, There is, I can remember, (laughs) I remember the first time that my wife and I ever sowed a thousand dollars, man, it felt like a big step of faith. And it was because at that time we'd never done something that large, but man, we knew the Lord was telling us to do it. And I remember the Lord spoke to us to sow a thousand dollars in an offering. And we were just newly married in our twenties. We wrote that check and brought it down. Let me tell you something. I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad to sow that. I was excited. I felt like dancing, man. I felt like giving God praise. I came down to the altar feeling like the Holy Ghost. Man, I I was ready to shout. I felt that joy come upon me. And we leveled up. We kept leveling up. Remember, we gave 2,000, 2,500, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. I can remember God keeps leveling us up at one time. Now, think about this as you give, and this is something I always encourage people to do. As you give, it's so vitally important that you stay introspective about your own personal faith. And this is the last thing I'll tell you before we pray. What I what do I mean by staying introspective about your own personal level of faith? As you keep giving, yes, Jay, we have Cash App. It's on the screen. MWgive is the username. Um. Carol, the best way to do it is to go to miracleword.com and sow it there. If you're not giving a, if, if a, a, a link doesn't come up to complete that seed that you're sowing from Good World, the best thing to do is just go to miracleword.com or use Cash App or PayPal. It's the easiest way. I'm going to be investigating hashtag donate because they've not been on their game. But what do I mean? Let me explain something to you that'll help you for the rest of your life. As you continue to be faithful to give and God keeps giving you instructions, you'll recognize something. As God blesses you, you'll go higher and higher and higher. But as you go higher, the same things you used to do won't take the same amount of faith to do anymore. And so if you keep doing them, they won't be pleasing to God. Let me give you an example. There'll come a time where, let's say at one time in your life, it took a ton of faith for you to sow $100. But watch, as you've been faithful to do it, God will keep increasing you. And if you'll check yourself, you'll say, you know what? It, It doesn't take that same faith anymore to sow 100. I'm sowing 100 all the time now. If you recognize that, Then, what you're recognizing is God has blessed you and leveled you up, and it's time to level up your giving as well. Which means it may be time to jump up to $250 seeds, or until that doesn't feel like it takes faith anymore. Then you go to 500 and 1,000, and you keep leveling up. But notice, as you keep leveling up, God keeps leveling you up. And as God keeps leveling you up, then your seed keeps getting larger. Hallelujah. And it's like when I was a kid, my mom used to give me a $1 bill to go to Sunday school with and to give that $1 bill in Sunday school. Well, let me tell you, as a kid, that's a temptation to just pocket that $1 bill because that'll buy you a lot of gum. Back then, you remember, you could go get that super bubble gum at the the individually wrapped super bubble. You could get it at the gas station for five cents a piece. Well, that'll buy you 20 pieces of gum a dollar bill. I was like, man, I, you know, I'm four or five years old. I want to keep that $1. All the other kids are giving change. I got paper money, baby. Well, yeah, it took a lot for me to sew the $1 at five. But let me tell you, there's a big problem if I'm 21 years old and I'm still walking into church with a $1 bill. Yeah, bazooka. I love that. There's a problem if I'm 21 and still sewing $1. You see what I mean? God's leveled me up. It's time to level my seed up. I remember, you know, $10, $50, whatever it might be. But as God leveled me up, you have to level your sowing up. The reason people get stagnant, the reason that they stay in a place where it feels like nothing's changing is because God's blessed them and they've stayed at the same level of sowing. Don't be that person. I'm giving you something that'll help you. If you listen to what I'm saying, this is how my wife and I have been abundantly blessed. You have to step out and do things that stretch your faith because as you stretch your faith, then that's when God brings back the increase and you activate his, uh, his covenant by faith. You've got to stretch your faith and that's what we do. You've got to be introspective and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? He'll never lead you to do something that doesn't take faith. It always takes faith that's it, Melissa, we're going to level up. And when we level up, see, you look at the book of James says, draw near unto God and God will draw near unto you. When we take actions and steps of faith, then God comes through and draws near to us with the harvest, the increase, the blessing, the favor. And so I'm showing you this because I want to see you increase. I want to see you explode in fruitfulness and productivity. I want to see you watch God bless you to such a degree that people that don't know the Lord have to say that was God. That was God. So I want you to bow your head because the Lord's speaking to people right now. And it's not gonna—it's not just going to be your harvest, but as I taught today, overwhelming joy is going to be your story. I'm going to pray two things. As I told you, I'm going to pray that joy comes, but I'm going to pray God makes you an effective soul winner. And I'm going to pray that God speaks an instruction to your heart. About what kind of a seed to sow into the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for every person that's watching. This wicked spirit of heaviness that's tried to come on your people, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, I rebuke them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and I command them to loose their grip and let go in the mighty name of Jesus. I command it to go. I lose joy, I lose peace to the hearts of God's people. And as you do what we've been teaching over the last two days, I thank you, Lord, that a joy like they've never known is overtaking their life, their heart, their home. Their children will never know what depression feels like, never know what spirit of fear feels like, never know what suicidal thoughts feel like, never. We will be blessed in abundance. Now, Lord, give us a hunger to see souls saved. Put a fire in our hearts to win the lost to preach the gospel, to bring them into the kingdom. Give us an urgency about eternity. Give us a compassion for souls in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you will use us to see people saved before it's too late in Jesus' wonderful name. Now I ask you, Lord, to speak to your people about what kind of a seed that you would have them to sow today. Maybe you're speaking to them to partner with us financially. Lord, speak. Let them clearly hear your voice and give them the faith to respond in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shout aloud, amen. Now just begin to do what the Lord is asking you to do financially. Sow your seed. Uh, The best way to do it is to go to miracleword.com and sow right there. You can set up, you can actually uh, open an account. You can create an account right on the website that you have full control over. Your sowing amounts, the frequency, monthly seeds, weekly, however you want to do it. As you go to miracleword.com and click the Give tab, at the top you'll see uh, Create an Account or Sign in or Register, Uh, and you can do that and control it all straight from there. But I want to encourage you, do something monthly. Join us monthly and see God use you to change this world. As you're sowing, you're helping us push the gospel forward and you're a part of this harvest of souls. It's exciting, man. Extremely exciting. Martin's in the Netherlands. Good to have you on again today. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. And let me say for every person that's sowing, our gift to you this month, Dr. John Evansini's book, Rich God, Poor God. Phenomenal book that will show you how Jesus was not poor. He was blessed abundantly. He was not cursed. Our Savior was blessed. And if he was blessed, then you have the right to be blessed. If you'd like to receive this gift In the month of July, if you've sown $85 or more, we need you to go and claim this offer. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out the form. Let us know what you gave, how you gave, and let us have your address so we can ship this book to you as well uh, to be a blessing to you. And we thank you for it and appreciate you. Carolyn will be back with us again today at 3 p.m. for this session on homeschooling. It's been phenomenal. Tons of questions have been answered. She'll be back again today at 3 p.m., A Common Sense Guide to Homeschooling, and uh, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. Plus, her brand-new book is now available, Lines. It's a 40-day devotional uh, about confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. So you definitely don't want to miss it, and uh, I love it. It's going to be good. The printer's printing them right now. They're coming to us. We're shipping them to you. This coming Sunday, I'm joining my dad in York, Pennsylvania. The tent is up, and we're going to have an outdoor tent crusade Sunday through Friday in York, Pennsylvania. If you want to join us, all the information's on the web. It would be great if you'd make a road trip and come be a part of what God's doing. And then Sunday following, I'm going to be, the Lord willing, in north of Houston, Texas. Uh, I believe it's called Tomball, Texas. Tomball, Texas at Tomball Assembly of God, just north of of Houston, the the Sunday following. And if you're anywhere close in Texas, come and be a part of it. And then we've got the Uproar Conference coming up at the end of July. All the details, all the information on the website, MiracleWord.com. I love you guys, man. Thanks for hanging. I'll be back tonight again, 9 p.m. I'm building your faith. Stay strong on the fast. Take time to pray. Press in. Read the word. God's going to bless you, man. I love you so much. Please, if you have not yet done it, text uh, and let me know what you're believing God to do. If you've not yet done that and don't know what to do, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and sign up. And um, I'll get your information right on my phone. We can stay connected via text message. Rohan's watching from Jamaica. Good to have you on. Katie, are you close to Tomball, Texas? Come and be a part of the meeting. It's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to it. It'll be my first time at the church, and I'm and I'm uh, anticipating a great meeting. It's gonna be gonna be awesome. I love you guys, man. Thanks for hanging with me today. See you at three. See you again tonight at nine. Thanks for sowing seeds. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a great one. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.